Welcome team. Today I sit in the Midlands Hotel in Manchester where I am so excited to bring to you our guest Michael Phelan. The reason I'm so excited to share is whenever I'm in Mike's company, whether it be pitch side watching some of the best footballers in the world train or whether it be sitting over a meal, a coffee or a beer or whatever it may be, whenever I'm in his company his energy is infectious. His wisdom is priceless. That wisdom comes from time. It comes from so much quality time as a player. Hundreds and hundreds of games in the Premier League, including over 100 with Man United. It comes from hundreds and hundreds of games, working with so many athletes and coaches, working as a coach, as a manager, working as an assistant manager, Working as an assistant manager to the best manager in history, Sir Alex Ferguson. There is obviously a topic I need to go to with Mike, working with Alex Ferguson. I need to ask him things like coaching a young Ronaldo and also an old Ronaldo. I need to to delve into that. Of course, those are the big names, but there is so much more to Mike than just Man United. His passion for grassroots, his passion for helping people, his authentic leadership skills which obviously are in him as a as a captain as a coach he's that type of person but but to share it just through conversation and to put you at the table with us i'm so grateful for his time i hope you enjoyed no i don't hope i know you will thanks for sharing in advance enjoy thank you to our episode sponsor pain away Painaway is Australia's number one joint and muscle spray and cream topical pain relief. Painaway contains arnica and naturally derived active ingredients. Visit painaway.com.au for their full range of products. Michael Phelan, what a guest, mate. A privilege, privilege to sit with you here in a, a beautiful hotel with a lot of history in Manchester. Um, this is take two, actually. We had a great night the other night <laughs> yeah, where yeah. we did record, but for the listeners, we're going to record again because the sound wasn't great. And as you know, nothing's scripted, so, Mike, we'll probably go off on a different tangent than we did the other night. That's fine. Um, but let me just start by introducing you as someone who's played hundreds of games. I, I did look it up before we... I know I, we mentioned it the other night, but this time I looked it up. You played nearly 500 games at the top level in the English Premier League, including the biggest profile club in the world, Manchester United. Yeah. You've coached for a long time. Again, at some of the biggest clubs in the world, including Manchester United, you were assistant to... Alex Ferguson, which is definitely a topic I want to go to. Yeah. Your assistant to Alex Ferguson, his main man, his right-hand man. Um, there's people like me who have only had brief encounters with him, or there's listeners now that I'm sure have read his book on leadership, but you lived and breathed it yeah. with him. So can I just start with Alex Ferguson? If, if I asked you what were his characteristics as a leader, or what influence did he have on you? Like, what comes straight to mind when I mention Sir Alex Ferguson? Well, obviously, leader is, is, is his biggest strength. He was definitely head and shoulders above a lot of people out there in, in the world, really, from a leadership point of view. But I found him to be very forthright, honest, upfront, extremely detailed in, in things, but also a visionary. 
you know, he pushed boundaries and, and he wanted to bring people along with him to enjoy that uh, that journey with him. So I was fortunate to play with play with him. He picked me to go to Manchester United from Norwich and then obviously coach there. I left as a player, came back as a coach, he asked me to do that. And then he promoted me into the uh, into the management role underneath him as his assistant manager, which like I say was a real privilege. We'll probably keep talking about him here for a little bit because it'd be crazy for me not to try to share with listeners what lessons you may have learned from him. But I remember when we first met 20 years ago uh, was my encounter with Sir Alex having lunch at Carrington and I think you were a youth coach at the time. Uh, I remembered him as a person who really cared about his place as he actually used the word family a lot. He... He, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, the day I remember was everybody stops and everybody eats lunch together. It didn't matter if you were the receptionist or you were David Beckham. It was, it was a place where he liked to treat everyone equal. Yeah. I'm sure there was other times where he treated people individually who needed to be treated differently. But at that moment, every day, it seemed like he took pride in really caring for his people because I remember leaving and thinking... No wonder this guy has lasted so long in the one place and had so much success because it seemed like he loved his people and they loved him back. Is that right? Yeah, I think you've captured it exactly right. He, um, he was a, a people person to a point. You know, when he had to be a manager, he was a manager. But most, mostly he, he surrounded himself with trustworthy people, people who he could rely on, people who gave him energy to do the job that he had to do. I mean, he was a busy guy. You know, being a manager of Manchester United, it's not, uh, not just a, an eight-hour shift, you know, it's a 24-7 job. But he was all enthralling. He, he involved people, he brought people in, he wanted to experience everything with those people, and he rewarded them for that, you know, in his, in his trust, in his honesty, and his belief in you. So he, um, he, was, he was exceptional in that. He was a very good people person. And you're right, when he considered everybody as part of the family. He wanted to go on this this journey, you know, of, of success, but he wanted people to go with him. He wanted people to enjoy it with him. And he was a boss at the end of the day, and he, he, he put things in place, which, some structure, some strategy, and then the right people came along, he employed them to carry that out, and the mission statement was to win, so that's what we did. I love... Um I love, the, I think you use the word belief there. He believed in people. But I found, even me, whenever I'm in a position of some sort of leadership, I, my, my approach is to how can I assist everybody, but how can I build other people up? Yeah. I feel like he built you up and he cared about you and, he, and you just used the word believed in you. How much did that mean to you to have someone like him believing you and I mean you had obviously a unique history I mean you played for him so he obviously had you've given him reason to trust you but he believed in you and really built you up yeah I often ask that question myself sometimes you know even now after all those years why me you well you know, earned it, it somewhere anybody. but but when you go there as a player he brings you there because he wants you to experience the success he wants you to go on that trip to uh, to win you know, and he obviously saw in me a winning mentality, so you take that challenge on. Then when you, walk, you come away from that and you're no longer part of that 
player network, you go into coaching and then he comes back to you to say, I wouldn't mind you coming on board again as a, as a coach with him. Um, that, that gives you a lot of belief. It gives you a lot of um, real strong desire to be, to be who he thinks you can be. And uh, I was really fortunate because the first meeting I had with him, I'd just lost my job at Stockport County. And uh, he called me up for a chat. Come on in, come into Carrington. Let's have a chat. I'll put you straight on a few things. And, and, and we sat down. And in the end, I walked out with being offered a job, which was really, really great. You know, nice. I didn't go there for that reason. I just went for a cup of tea and a chat with, an yeah. old, you know, with the old man and, 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 and go from there. But you're walking away thinking, hang on, he's just asked me again to be part of something at Manchester United. So my decision was made straight away. Yeah. Yes, what do you And my first question to him was, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to coach. And I said, well, how do you want me to coach? And his answer was, no, you're the coach. I'm going to bring you in as the coach. So you just coach and get on with it. And I'll give you my backing as to what you want to do, how you want to do it. And let's see what we can do together. So that was my initial chat with him. Yeah. After that, you get on with it. You know, yeah. he's, he's at the top of the tree. He's the decision maker. But you're providing, you know, a work ethic for him, you know, to be successful. Yes. Well, see, I'm fascinated with, and I know the listeners will be as well. But it's becoming clearer and clearer to me over my career that the culture of a place and the values of a place is what is so important and the belief in each other and building each other up. So you said the mission, of course, of Man United is to win, but it seems like the magic happens in those spaces where he's believing in you because he would have also believed in his other coaches and his recruitment staff and and the receptionist. And, like, he would... If he's instilling that belief in everyone and the values that he wanted to live... The winning takes care of itself, yeah. you know. Like, so I, th- I think there's a real sweet spot there of Sir Alex that, like, I know he he talked about being a great listener. He loved listening to people. He loved listening to his players. Yeah. There's things that he did as a leader and a manager that um, I I don't know if you call them soft skills, but they are skills that pretty unique to certain leaders but I think that's where the magic happens I mean obviously being at a big club having the funds to buy the big players or whatever but there's so much more in, in particular that era that you came through with him bringing all those young guys through like that was coaching that was environment that wasn't well, like that was the that was the whole idea of, of what the man was about you know he, he didn't just come from Aberdeen to Manchester United and just languish and, and just try and repair a Manchester United. He wanted to build something. So he looked at the, you know, and history documents itself. He, he looked at the youth element in order to make it great again. You know, he took lessons from Samat Busby, who was previous manager there, and, and other managers that, that had come after Samat Busby, but everything revolved around youth, energy, you know, potential, and nurturing that. And that takes time. That's a long period of an education but you have to be successful in the meantime in order to, to see the fruits of what you put in place. But he gave you that opportunity. You know, he, he, took, the, he took the hard road. You know, it wasn't plain sailing. He'll be the first to, to say that. As players, it wasn't plain sailing. You know, we had to win and we had to get results and we had to perform. Yeah. And, you know, you're never as good as the team that won the league 25 years before they actually did it again. You yeah. Know? So, so 
there was all that spotlight on you all the time but what he did nurture into everybody staff players was that we can be successful it's possible we can do it this way but we have to be united we have to be together you know and we we have to enjoy these moments it was a massive one for enjoying the moment it, with all the scrutiny all the hassle all the pressure enjoy the moment we live in the dream it. yeah you know? yeah and yeah. Uh, and we embrace that and, and he, he put together a, a great unit of football players you know youth experience you know mid-range sort of players but he brought it together and then little bits of success enabled him to take it a little bit further and we all bought into that until you're, until you're expendable, you know, until you no longer can do what he wants you to do and then moves you on. But that's professional sport. Yeah. You know? you, yeah. You've got an ambition, you've got an endeavour, you've got the opportunity and then it's can you keep it going. Once you start to dither a little bit or fall off the pedestal a little bit, no use yeah you know move on I love that enjoying everything because you could see that in him I mean I'm even like as I'm talking to you I'm remembering that day watching that training session and he came over and, and actually you actually mentioned giving he giving his time so I guess I'm skipping I started one bit there and I'm going somewhere else he came over and he gave me his time I'll never forget it yeah. I was working with the New Zealand Rugby League team at the time, so there was a connection there and there was a reason why I was standing pitch side watching. But he came over and he shook my hand and he said, hi, I'm Alex, and I was like, yes, I know, I know who you are, sir, you know. You're just checking out. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, thanks. And he's like, he actually said, do you have time for lunch? And I, once again, I was like, hang on, I'll just check my schedule. Like, <laughs> of course I have time for lunch with you. So, but I, I remember him talking with so much passion, even on the sideline. So training had kind of finished, but guys are still knocking the ball yeah, around. And, and he pointed out Paul Scholes. He said, this kid will be a superstar. And he loved him. Like, yeah. and I asked, what, what did he love about him? And he loved his effort stuff and he loved his character. And I remember it now, but he also loved how much fun his team was having. Like, it just seemed like they enjoyed it so much. I, I observed, I, I have this thing, if, if, you can always tell if a team loves being there when, when they won't get off the pitch. Yeah. And they wouldn't leave. Yeah. So training had finished. And, uh, you know, the real pros always do their extra stuff, but they were just loving being there. Yeah. And I've always believe that if I've ever got a good team and it's humming it you can always tell by how quick they go to the well, I think showers. you've got to create that environment you know it's precious time you know but any top sports career or sports person's career is, is short relatively short it feels like it could be a long time yes. but it's actually very short there's a life after yes. you know what I mean yes. so those moments are precious and I think when you're in a successful football club or a successful team Every day becomes precious, it becomes challenging, but it's enjoyable and you don't want to do anything else. You don't want to do media work, you don't want to do sponsorship work, you don't want to do anything other than play with football. Yeah. And that's the important bit. Yeah. Who are the best players you've worked with and their characteristics, what you loved about them? Best players are always the ones that show enthusiasm and a willingness to learn really, to want to do more, to want to put the effort in, to really dedicate themselves to the, to the job, to the role. Because it is a job, you know, even though it's probably one of the best jobs ever, 
in, in sport, but you want them to be attentive, you want them to have discipline, but you also want them to have fun and enjoy it and be challenging as well. I want, as a coach, I want to be challenged as well as challenge them. You know, that's that's a rule of coaching in, in my book, is to, is to bring them in, work with them, and hopefully they go away looking forward to coming in the next day and they take away something from that session. So that's the objective, really, that I got out of, of coaching both young players and more experienced players because even the experienced guys, even the top guys, they're looking for a smaller detail than probably the younger ones who want the whole package. Yeah. You know? But the, the small stuff is, is very, very important as well. And those are moments you have to deliver really well, really well, because you're trying to make a difference of a percent even less than a percent because they've got the rest whereas the younger guys you, you're looking at improving them probably 50% or more so it's it's a different skill set that you have to have as a coach you know when to do that how to do that and also I think as a coach you're always learning yourself you, you know you're thinking on the job you're, you, you're trying to improve yourself you're trying to be a better person all the time and, and, and that's the joy of it okay you just mentioned the crucial moments delivering as a coach so I'll, I'll drop a few names for you. Obviously the big ones, Ronaldo. When he came to you as a kid, you worked with him, you coached him at yeah. Man United, and then you also were there when he's returned. What were his qualities of a young player when you first met him? What, what do you remember of his work ethic? Because he well, he well and truly went on to be world-class. Oh, his work ethic was about his mindset. His mindset was unbelievable, strong, determined, even though he was young and you could say inexperienced as to on, on towards the journey he was going to take, but he played at Sporting Lisbon a few few times. You know, he was starting to make noises in the sporting world, but to actually drop himself into Manchester United, one's a massive thing to do at such a young age. But he came with that mindset of I'm going to be the best. I want to be the best in the world, and probably at that moment in time, Manchester United was that next cog in the wheel you know and he saw that he moved I think he moved as a kid to Sporting from from his home country very very young so that's a, a challenge in itself then to do it again into a different country that didn't speak the language that's a major challenge but he came with this unbelievable attitude of I've got what I've got I can do a lot more but I can do it here and I can go on to better things and all those things were demanding and challenging for such a young player. And he learned, he learned a lot. You know, he absorbed, he was like a sponge, he absorbed everything. He absorbed all the things that made him better. You know, it wasn't sort of a, there were times in training where, you know, he enjoyed doing some of the team stuff, but he enjoyed doing the things that benefited him in a yeah. football match, yeah. you know, that he could show. So his skills were always there, always there but he just polished them up. And then he wanted to be stronger. He, he learned that he needed to be physically more capable in the in the league. So he went away and worked on that. He just all the time was pushing and pushing and pushing to get to the point where, you know, what's the next stage of his career? Where's he taking him? And now now we see him. How many World Cups is he playing in? He's playing in another soon. Yeah. You know, it's tremendous to have that desire and determination. And he had it in abundance, in abundance. And so back on Sir Alex, he, him and Ronaldo have this special relationship where 
Alex will talk about him as one of the only really world-class players. I mean, there's thousands of very good ones, but truly world-class, Alex rates Ronaldo. Yeah. And, but you ever hear Ronaldo speak of him as like almost a father figure because Alex probably gave him the same belief as he gave you as a coach. Yeah, I think that's yeah. time and place sometimes, you know. And, yeah. And, and, you know, they obviously spotted talent. There was another coach, first-team coach at the time, Carlos Quiros, who's now manager of Iran. But um, Carlos knew of him in Portugal. You know, he's, he's, um, he was probably at the forefront of, of that deal happening. Then he comes to Manchester United and he's coached by a Portuguese-speaking coach. He's got Sir Alex, who's got the drive and the determination. He's got a great group of players around him that accepted him very, very quickly for the qualities he had. Because let's be fair, the top players can bring a team along as well. They can make you successful that individuality and he was in that bracket of a cantonar and, and people like that and Sir Alex liked those I got the feeling as he progressed he liked those individuals he liked the, the the quirkiness about them the oddness about them the difference and put that difference into a solid unit and you've got something special and, and that was the reason why you know he, uh, he had him for so long and I think that's where the mutual respect comes into play you know, they did genuinely live it together. Yeah, yeah. Do you have that type of relationship with any either player you've coached or coach that you had as a player? Did you ever have anything special like like he and Alex have? Um, where, To be honest, I never really had that... I was never in that class, in that quality as a player. You know, I was, I was a team player wasn't an individual. I what made you a great down. team player? Because you played nearly 500 I just had a will to win and I wanted, I wanted everybody to win and we started off this conversation about, you know, bringing people together and going on this journey together and, you know, they're all cliches but they are actually what you do. You come together as a group, a unit, you gel and then you do it together. I was, I was more into the togetherness than the individual side of it but I knew as my career progressed I needed the individual to make the difference. And that wasn't me. I was part of the team, but I wasn't that individual. There were other individuals there, you know, people like Mark Hughes, Brian Robson, those types of when I was playing. As a coach, you know, I had good coaches. Even when I was at Burnley, you know, I had some great ex-Burnley players, Arthur Bellamy, Ray Pointer, these names probably don't ring a bell with some people, Frank Casper, Brian Miller, all ex-Burnley players. But at that time, when I was 17, they were valuable to me because they believed in my ability, but they coached me in a way which I loved. And then I moved on to Norwich and I went with Ken Brown and Mel Machin. You know, you probably have to Google all these people. Yeah, I'll have you. a look. But uh, they all sort of enhanced my career playing the way I saw the football being played. And then to go to Man United, a completely different environment. You know, this was proper, real, real sort of winners and losers and, you know, the roar of... 70,000 people or 60,000 at the time completely different to 30,000 at Norwich but it was all part of my ability to accept all those coaches all that coaching all that training and then bringing it to the, to the top place to the top place and I just I just wanted to be part of a successful team I wanted to win things I wanted to win the FA Cup I wanted to win the first division I'd won I'd won the championships in the lower leagues, but I wanted the big one. I wanted the, you know, the, the what was it then, Carling Cup. You know, it's now the Carabao Cup. But 
I wanted to play at Wembley. I wanted to, I wanted to play for my country. I wanted all these things that I dreamed about or I'd watched on TV, like we're going to watch a World Cup. There'll be kids front, sitting in that front room watching international matches over this December period, wanting to be one of those players. Yeah. I was that kid. Yeah. To actually then achieve that, it's like wow. It's, it's particularly it is a wow situation. How did that happen? Probably had a little bit of talent and I was spotted at the right time, but I but I took on board a lot of quality coaching and, and that's what I tried to do as a as a coach myself. So if I asked you the most influential senior player that helped you as a young kid, give me one name <laughs> that I can go and Google. I can't give you one name, but what I can give you is a group of names and they were all relevant at that moment in time in the clubs I was at. So Norwich, there were people like Dave Watson, Chris Woods. At Burnley when I was playing with people like Martin Dobson, you know, Leighton James, these types of people that I was playing with. Then I went to Man United, there's Brian Robson's, there's Eddie Cantonars, there's you know Lord's more. You speak though with a little glint in your eye and a love of these guys. What did you love about them? Why? Because we all thought the same. We all thought that we could achieve something. We all thought in the same way of, I want to win, I want to do this, I want to feel it, I want to absorb it all before it's gone. And and, and to be perfectly honest, you never enter into it knowing full well that's going to happen. You expect it to, but you know that there's a lot to do, there's a lot of work to do in order to get to that, that point. But when you do, and we talked about winning, winning is the the top it's the bit that you strive for but the work is underneath that yeah the win, you only see the winning in the one game in the one moment but there's loads of games gone before that and there's loads of moments gone before that in order to get you to that point where you actually win yeah and somebody plants something in your heart in your hand and says well done you are a champion and I enjoyed that you love I that. enjoyed being <laughs> a champion so what if I went to Eric Cantona now and I said or I went to Sir Alex and I said, why did you love Mike Phelan? <laughs> what would they say? I've no idea. What would you like them to say? I think I'd like them to say that he was honourable, honest, worked hard, decent fella. You know, I don't need the pat on the back. I don't need the, you know, I've shared those moments with them. They've probably got more memories of other players, but I've certainly got the memories that I've got and nobody can take them away from me. So. I just think they'd probably appreciate the effort. Well, I think um, if that's what you were, honourable, a good fella, obviously very competent at what you did, um, you captain teams, you coach teams, you obviously had... There's a leadership in you that's just authentic to you, right? That's why I actually am very privileged that I'm talking to you. I think... I think you should be speaking around the whole world on the leadership (laughs) topic. In serious, like... Alex Ferguson's book's probably the most read leadership book on the planet and you're, you lived and breathed it with him so, and you assisted him. So there's even something in that, like what makes a good assistant to a manager? What, what lessons have you learned? I mean, we won't even go there on this because we've already had a lot of time, but you've got so much to offer on why he was such a good leader, what made you such a good assistant, why you made such a good team how you got the results of the biggest club in the world. Like, 
you have so much to give. I know you do a bit of speaking on leadership, but also could you just fill the listeners in, listeners in on what you're doing on the, the grassroots level as well? Yeah, I've, well, I'm, I've always been interested in the grassroots, you know, and even, even being a professional sports person, we all start somewhere and it starts at grassroots. You know, we have this ability to go and kick a football around and we do it and we join in with all the rest of the kids and dads and, and even the mums sometimes, you know. And then suddenly you get better at it and better at it. But for me, grassroots is is the place. It's the place where it, dreams are made. Do you know what I mean? And levels are maintained. So there's an honesty in grassroots. You know, I I enjoy coaching at grassroots level. I have a company now, Sensible Soccer, um, that coaches and educates grassroots level coaches. And that's parents, but also the kids. So I, I like to give my time to just turn up, put a session on, completely out of my comfort zone when you've been dealing with professional sport all your life to go to grassroots you don't know who turns up how many turn up what you're going to do you're thinking on your feet so it's really raw and I like the rawness of it you know and and also I like the enjoyment of the fact that people look at you and have fun and they want to do more and they give more so you take them to probably outside of their comfort zone yeah. So it can be kids from, you know, girls, boys, men, women, kids from sort of nine years of age up to, you know, 39, 40 even, you know, at grassroots level. If you're fit enough, you carry on playing with one leg, don't you? you know, it's yeah. one of them. It's, but it's, it's the enjoyment of just giving something back. And then the educational bit comes out later on in, in the company where we can sit, we can talk, we can have beer, you know, and we can talk about the good times and not so good times and how do you handle this, how do you handle that and, and, and basically just giving back yeah. and, and, and experiencing with other people not just your own experiences but theirs as well because you've, you've, you're following the same path in a way but there's different outcomes different levels you reach, different you know things happen in your life at certain times and some some I keep talking about luck and we don't, nobody knows what it is but sometimes it's just how much you put in is what you get out. Or you meet the right person, you're in. Yeah. You don't, you're out. It's, it's those situations, those are life situations. Yeah. And grassroots gives, gives me that belief that there's a lot of good going on out there. I mean, giving up your time when you've worked all day to go and do a couple of hours coaching, it's, it's not easy, you know? I'm with you, Mike. I have so much respect for anyone that's coaching kids. They give up their time. It's a very important job. Yeah. You, you actually have a responsibility to, to create a positive moment for that. Yeah, I, I agree because yeah. I, think, I think, you know, we all live in this world now of whatever state it's in. Yeah. And we all have issues day to day. But sport, a group of people playing sport is a moment in time where that doesn't matter what's going on outside, what's yeah. going on around. It's just the moment. Yeah. And I think that's valuable when we see kids now and we, everybody's got issues. Yeah. There's issues all over the place. There's trouble all over the place. Yeah. You know, but there's good moments. And those good moments is when you get a group of people together for an hour, two hours, whatever it is, once a week, once a month. But that's the most precious time that they may have. Yes. And I appreciate that. And hopefully, you know, when we do these things at Sensible Soccer, they appreciate it too. And the feedback's been really, really good and we are moving around the country with it. And well, I, I looked at it briefly since we spoke, uh, called up the other night for dinner. I, I did go and look it up. Uh, 
it's equipment, it's education, it's you're, you're actually out there yourself doing yeah. stuff. But what I love, the reason I wanted to ask you now, because I, I did want to, well, I felt it, the passion you have for it, the vision that you live your life, like you can feel it in what you say there, that the actual business will take care of itself, the equipment will sell itself the, because you live what you totally believe in. It's what we started the conversation about Alex Ferguson, Man United. It was, it was his vision, his passion, his values. Like the winning takes care of itself because of how he lived it and all his staff did. And I feel it with your business. I had a look at it. I mean, it's already very successful. But the reason that's going to keep growing is because you actually live and breathe like what you just said with so much passion. I feel that even when I... Even doing these, like whoever I work for, my job is to assist someone else to get better. Uh, sometimes lead, sometimes inspire. Yeah. That's my vision. But if I live that by even now making an effort to talk to you, I'm assisting somebody else. So no matter what happens in my, my life that I live, if I always live by those values that I'm trying to assist somebody else getting better... Things work out. I think that's so, so I looked at your vi- I looked at your business, and we weren't scripted here. I wasn't prompting anything there. I just wanted to feel what it means to you. And, and you didn't mention once about selling equipment, making money, running seminars, speak guest speaking. Like you didn't mention that. You just mentioned your passion for it, and and helping other people. So. Can I have shares in this business? I, I want to buy in. I want to buy in because it, it will be worldwide. Oh, I already. I also much, read you're being sport. well sought after worldwide. You, there's an American company that's getting you to come and speak. I've caught up with you in Australia when an A-League club got you to consult. Uh, I know that people in the World Cup asked you to come and speak. So I, this, this sensible soccer will be global. I want to buy in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just buying... You know, people make things happen. Yeah. And it's people mixing with other people, get their heads around something and deliver something. You know, it's doable. It is doable. It's not easy at times, you know, but if we take politics out of it and we take all the other fluff around it, it's literally people getting together and saying, let's do this. Yes. And I'm just, you know, I've been a professional sports person for Neon without giving my age away, but probably 45 years. Yes. You know, so I left school and then and then I was I was straight into sport. So my journey has been professional all the way through. But there comes a point when there's not a lot more you can do, because you are getting a little bit older, but you can actually go back to where you started and do it again. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that's been my motto all the time, you know, don't don't just rest on what you've done, have a go again. Yes. Because it's a it's a different experience, but it's yes. doing the same things in a slightly different way. You know, yes. it's it's but with we, the same we passion. We don't live in nineteen seventy odd now. You know what I yes. mean? It's, yes, it's moved on, but we're not far off. Yes. still regurgitating the old things, but we're filling them up now. We're putting a little bit more on it because yes. because the times have moved forward, equipment's moved forward. You know, we're in a different generation. Sorry about that. A little bit of background noise. Where, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but but you know what? Even this background noise, Mike. Um, if people are hearing that, I try to create 
a chat where whoever's listening, I want them to feel like they're sitting here with me and you just chatting. So the background noise is very natural. Yeah. We're in a hotel in Manchester. We're not in a studio. Just two guys. And the Australian to... national rugby team is in the building as well. So yeah. It's be busy. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike, hey, thanks heaps. Thanks so much. Um, I appreciate it. I always love catching up with you, but I know the listeners will appreciate it. And um, you've got big things ahead, mate. I, I want to see you come out to Australia and get on this speaking circuit. Well, I, I think the I last think... time I was out there, even though yeah. it was in fits and starts, but the Mariners were very good to me. Yes. And uh, it's good to see as well that the Mariners have got three players in the international team in the World Cup. Yes. You know, and the coach there, Nick Montgomery, is doing an excellent he's job. He's doing great. You know, so, you know, he's been promoted from sort of the youth setup. Now he's the first team manager and they're progressing really well. So, Good luck to those guys yes. from the Mariners who play for Australia. Good luck to Nick. But yeah, any time I can get out to Australia, it's not an easy job to Australia. You no, know what I mean it's not yes. there and back in the day. Yes. But uh, but no, it would be great at some point to uh, to progress this. Awesome, man. Thanks very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you to our episode sponsor, Painaway. Painaway is Australia's number one joint and muscle spray and cream topical pain relief. Painaway contains arnica and naturally derived active ingredients. Visit painaway.com.au for their full range of products. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Mike and go away with one of the many great lessons to be learnt or share with a mate you know it could help. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out our episode with Wayne Bennett or Brad Fittler.